0: I did this from Facebook.com. I did this from the Facebook, as my grandmother would say. Just kidding. She's a lot more technologically apt than I am.
1: My dad calls it his YouTube's. Oh. Like dad, what are you watching mm-hmm. on the YouTube's?
0: I love Jim. What a man.
1: He's great. What
0: a man. What a man.
1: He fractured three ribs. What? Yep. <laughs> yeah. What? How did do that what did he do what did you do to him after he donated blood and platelets because he's got what he refers to as diesel blood um, i have heard this yep i have heard this uh (laughs) he uh was woozy and he fell and cracked his ribs you gotta
0: take the cookie you gotta always take the cookie and the oj he oh
1: poor baby he fell on a saturday and when do you think he went to urgent care Thursday. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yep. That's a straight white man thing to do. I know him well.
0: Yep. Mm-hmm. No, it, it I wouldn't say it's even a straight white man thing to do because I feel like I might do that as well.
1: Yeah. So but mostly because I can't afford health care. After, <laughs> after he coughed and thought he had a heart attack, my mom was like, hey, oh <laughs> go to urgent care. And oh, he so went. even then it wasn't his idea? No. My yeah. mom forced him to do it. And then he went and he has three fractured ribs and the... Jim the person that took the x-rays was like you know you had like another like fracture like an old one he's like yeah i probably knew about that one (laughs) i was like dad (sighs) you
0: should just definitely know about it in my humble opinion yeah well now this is the beginning of the podcast so welcome (laughs) everyone gets to hear about my dad's fractured ribs Um, to make your dad feel better my dad once decided that i love to tell this story also today is brian's birthday so happy birthday to brian
1: happy birthday brian Um, Happy birthday brand. Wait, the day we're recording she, or the day we're releasing. The day we're recording. Okay. Happy
0: Sorry. birthday, Brian. My bad. Yeah, it's actually your birthday. Um he one Christmas Eve decided that we were gonna have like a real like hashtag Christmas in Connecticut. Hashtag George Bailey Christmas Eve. Fun. And he was like, I'm gonna chop the wood myself instead nope. of going down to stop and shop and getting it from the grocery store like a normal human being. So he chopped off the tip of his pinky. Yep. And then was running it underwater and keeps going, it'll be fine. I just need to put some water on it and it'll stop nope. when I tell you, you the to water that bitch. clear <laughs> clear before it hits the pinky fucking red as all shit yeah when it's when it's going past and no no, no, it's fine. it's fine. literal human being tis what a fle- but a flesh wound yeah and so my mom was like no you have to go to the urgent care and they had to not only sew it back on but they (laughs) had to drill a hole spoiler trigger sorry i almost said spoiler i'm like no this happened many moons ago um everybody has probably heard this at some point but had to drill a hole (gasps) in the nail to like basically Relieve like the pressure so the- swollen yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that was that was eight hours of our christmas eve that we never got back i say that because i was babysitting um but yeah dad's just we should have a whole episode like on dad crimes oh could <laughs> we uh, i mean crimes of our fathers now, yes i was gonna say crimes of our fathers because then there's another time where my dad got out of a speeding ticket going like 90 because he used to work with the guy because the guy like decided to do a career change, like midlife crisis type career change, and mm-hmm. became a cop. And this happened to be the person that pulled him over. Wow, Brian! What are the fuck are you doing here? What are you doing here? I'm pulling you over. You're I going ninety. Oh,
1: just say hi to Susan for me. I don't understand the accent. That's <laughs> I don't not a Connecticut accent.
0: It's not a Connecticut accent, but that's how I. That's the accent I do for all of my dad's friends because uh. that's what it sounds like. Like uh, that's how I found out that he was friends with. He's the... friends with women from Queens. Apparently, <laughs> well, one true? of them was a priest. Oh wow, that was a fun. That was a fun one because well,
1: he he. Let's let's get uh, back on track yeah. because we're we're let's, losing. Let's. It. Uh, I know. Um, I know. Uh, do you want to address? Uh, yes. Yes. An on a more
0: serious note. Yes. Yeah. On a more serious note. Um, it was brought to our attention that in the last episode. Um, Specifically, when I spoke about Scott Peterson, it came across as siding with um, by siding with the prosecutors. We were also siding with the police and we are fully I, I mean, we've we've said it before, but obviously it it's something that needs to be said over and over again, not just because we have to, but because we should. Yeah, that we are fully on the side of Black Lives Matter. Um, we, we were not trying to go say that we supported the police. And honestly, it was something that as a privileged white woman, it didn't occur to me that, oh, like by siding with the prosecutors, I'm siding with the police that, that never, I, I, that never occurred to me. And now I've, I've learned a little something and I appreciate the person who brought that to our attention, and I apologize for anybody who was listening that felt
1: that we were not on their side because we are fully on your side and I also feel like um last week's episode was literally like off the cuff like we just found these true crime updates and were talking about um just like our generic thoughts like like off the top of the head thoughts on what was going on. So it's not like we had supremely researched each part of that. Like, yeah, we covered the Scott Peterson case way back when, yes. but it was also <laughs> a different world then.
0: It was who it was a so, hella different world. And also it was, I mean, in that, so most of our episodes with the exception of this last one are pretty heavily scripted. So, like, we have we have some like zingers here and there, or we notice like a wayward emoji that somehow made its way into the notes. But predominantly, it is scripted, and this particular episode was not scripted. Yeah. So so if we didn't have time to censor ourselves, yeah, if
1: we had time to like write our thoughts down and like get them out as we definitely wanted to say them and do all of our extra research, we definitely would have. Obviously, I'm not making excuses. I'm just saying this is what happened and uh this is why yeah so we're what led to what happened yeah we're sorry about that and yes we're just gonna move straight on to the next one because can't dwell on the past so easy for you to say (laughs) i'll be thinking about this at 3 a.m for the next
0: mm, 15 years of my life it's okay but that's okay that's what anxiety is and i've learned to live with it sure question mark
1: <laughs> it, it's is been it quite living? a year it's been quite a year for all of us
0: yes um, it's march 714th for those who are wondering it's true for those who threw out their calendars in a fit of rage
1: not that i would know anything about that yeah anyway this is the case uh the unsolved case spoiler alert it's unsolved of the murder of caitlin arquette too similar of a name spelled differently k-i-t-l-y-n yeah by a letter yeah but she was uh mostly referred to as kate k-a-i-t and um, uh birthday brian he calls me kate yeah Mm -hmm. we're just gonna jump right into her story and um you don't know anything about this case right now but i'm hoping that when i get to the pop culture section uh you'll start to recognize what this case is because i knew the pop culture side obviously way before i knew about this actual case so okay i think you're giving me way too much credit but i'm hoping we'll all we'll all right it. so kate was um 18 years old and she graduated from high school on june 14th 1989 she had been accepted mm. to the university of new mexico with plans to attend medical school one day so oh, good for definitely very bright future had a lot going on in her life that she was excited for oh boy yeah that's how it always starts right? Uh uh-huh so shortly after i never
0: had a bright future (laughs) does anyone have a bright future right now (laughs) that's true that's fair and true but i'm just saying i've lived a lot longer because of my lack of a bright future
1: that's true um so shortly after graduation she moved into an apartment with uh with her boyfriend dung uh noyan um Mm -hmm. in albuquerque new mexico where she lived um They paid for this with the help of money that they had received from an insurance settlement. Remember this. So. That's. This is going to come back. mm, Okay. Also 1989 in New Mexico. Like. How much was this apartment? (laughs)
0: That was like $5. I know. Maybe. (laughs) Uh,
1: Like not even. Just like trade some
0: turquoise and you're good. Yeah. uh, It was a simpler time. I miss those times.
1: I was never alive in those times but I would have liked to be. Yeah. So he was eight years older than her, um, but she had told her parents that he was only four years older uh, than her. So uh, um, however, they did feel like her family felt that he was a nice person. One account even said that he was so close to the family that he he even called Kate's mother mom.
0: Yeah. But would they have thought that if they knew he was, say, like 26 to her 18 and not 24? He just just does that matter.
1: He's just a number, Caitlin
0: i feel like we've talked about this not when you're dating a teenager and you're in your 20s i
1: guess she's 18 she
0: graduated she's planning to go to medical school like she's got like
1: her shit together yes yes she
0: has her shit together but you remember being in high school like you're in a completely different realm than somebody in your 20s like that'd be like you dating an 18 year old now
1: ew yeah yeah that's the normal response (laughs) (laughs) anyway um well she has her shit together a lot more than this guy but we're gonna get to it so as usual everything seemed to be going great until six weeks later Uh, On the afternoon of July 16th, Kate went to her parents' house around 6 p.m. and told her mother Lois that she and Noyan had been having troubles ever since they moved in together. She planned to break up with him and wanted Lois to lie about his whereabouts if if he called the house. She said that she would be having dinner at her friend Sharon Smith's house and she would either stay the night or sleep at her parents' house. Smith owned a snow cone stand outside of the Pier 1 store that Kate worked at because it was the late 80s. Um, like so idyllic yeah. i love it so much so uh yeah and it, because it was the late 80s she gave kate written directions on how to get to her house in old town Aww. yeah um so kate left smith's house around 10 40 p.m that night she was driving east down lomas boulevard towards her parents house and she was shot twice in the head once in the cheek and another time in the temple
0: jesus from her car
1: like she she came to an intersection and was like waiting at the light a car came up next to her bang 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 that's the crime crazy that's a fucking crime yeah like jesus there were no uh exit wounds and the bullets themselves were not recovered which is very uh suspect but um there was another shot that hit the frame of her car uh, as it jumped the median and came to rest against the pole at the intersection of lomas and arno streets Ooh, that's fucking lucky yeah
0: like obviously the whole situation is not particularly lucky but that 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 yeah. right there
1: uh the first officer at the scene was a violent crimes detective ronald merriman um who was not in uniform at the time he just happened to be passing by saw the car like on the sidewalk like against this uh utility pole and was like oh this looks weird." He observed two vehicles parked on the sidewalk that would be Kate's red Ford Tempo and a second vehicle, later determined to be a VW Bug. He also saw a man, he later determined to be Paul uh, Apodaca, standing next to Kate's car. Merriman drove past the scene while he radioed in to ask about the accident. None had been reported yet because he had literally just drove by as, like, right after it happened, almost. Yeah. Um... He called in a report of the accident with no injuries and returned to the scene to investigate. It was then that he saw Kate's body lying across the front seats of the Ford. Yeah, boy. Yeah. So the next person to arrive on the scene was Officer Mary Ann Wallace. She arrived within 40 seconds of the call coming in. And she reported only seeing one car on the sidewalk, Kate's Ford. Mm. So in the 40 seconds it took her to get there, the VW bug had disappeared. So, oh. yeah, so we're going to get to that in a little bit. Um, Merriman was uh, behind the car talking to uh, Apodaca. Merriman told the driver, uh, Merriman told her that the driver of the Ford had been injured in a traffic accident and he called for an ambulance, although no record has been found of any call being made. Oh? Yeah, so we're starting this suspicion early. <laughs> yeah, I'm not loving that, no uh officer wallace honest. took one look at the bullet shattered driver's window recognized mm-hmm. that this was a crime scene and radioed to the station for backup neither officer took any information from apodaca other than his name and phone number which turned out to be wrong <sighs> great police work guys i Fantastic. Mean, ugh, god damn it to this day no police officer has ever interviewed apodaca nor have police questioned the disappearance of his VW bug between the time uh, Merriman saw it parked next to Kate's car and the time that Wallace arrived. Um, Obviously, remember this guy. We're going to get to talking about him in a second in more detail. So according to the Who Killed Kate Arquette website, written by her mother, both officers and Apodaca left the scene after seeing Kate sprawled over the front seats, bleeding profusely and, uh, quote, moaning and crying, end quote so alleging that she was still alive at this point oh the medics with albuquerque ambulance who transported kate to the hospital have stated in individual affidavits that they responded to a routine 1044 call to find no cops no police cars no bystanders just kate alone in the car unconscious and bleeding from two head wounds oh my god yes horrible like
0: What kind of piece of shit? I hate people. I hate people so much. There's going to be so many
1: twists and turns in this case that it's ridiculous.
0: Oh, great. Some of
1: them involve police incompetence or negligence. Never heard of that before. Yeah. So. Basically a synonym. Reports by Merriman and Wallace indicate that they were there when rescue arrived. Merriman has specifically stated that he couldn't interview Paul Apodaca because he, quote, had to stay with the victim, end quote. Yet, according Mm. to the rescue team, he did not stay with the victim. He was not even there. Yeah. I know. Officer Wallace has stated that Merriman told her not to interview Apodaca because he had already done so, and so she busied herself with, quote, directing traffic, end quote. Directing traffic Mm -hmm. in Albuquerque at 1044 p.m.? Yeah. Real busy. How much is there to direct? Um, I will
0: say Michael and I drove through Albuquerque when we moved out here about that time. And I can guarantee you, we almost decided to like, just straight shoot it through Yeah. because it was just,
1: I mean, empty. I've, I've been to New Mexico. I, um, actually like, I went back and saw like where we were around New Mexico and we've actually, oh, we, yeah. like we drove through this intersection. When I was there. Oh! I mean, not having known what the case was and, like, anything about it, but... um, oh, my Atlanta. I mean, it obviously is so different from 1989, but, like, it's yeah. a pretty pop... Like, it, Lomas is, like, a pretty main road. Like, yeah. there's there's a lot of businesses and stuff on this road. So, I don't know if at the time there was, but that's that. So, according to the rescue team um when they arrived uh officer wallace was not directing traffic as she said she was
0: oh my god what yeah the, f-
1: the medical team stated that they almost missed the scene because there were no police cars and there was nobody there to wave them over yeah <laughs> caitlin is staring at me <laughs> incredulously fucking kidding yeah
0: i'm just in disbelief i don't know why i don't know why i still think that something's gonna uh. yeah uh, it's okay it's fine it's whatever it's
1: so it's police maintained fine. that kate was chased down on lomas and shot twice in the head at a stoplight at the corner of lomas and john streets her car then proceeded to travel 719 feet across two traffic lanes bump over the median cross three more lanes go up onto the sidewalk past the arno intersection and crash into the light pole They say that the location of the shooting was defined by a large pile of broken glass on Lomas and John. However, there was nothing to document the existence of that glass. Uh, It was not gathered up in evidence, nor was it photographed. So, someone made up a pile of glass. I'm about to start banging my head on the desk. Oh, it gets crazier. So, the Arquette family and their investigators speculate that the crime scene may have been altered before investigators got there. APD, criminal... Criminal criminalist, sure. Criminalistics, sure. I'm going with that one. They Check. arrived late because they had been at a police shooting. According to their report, they were met at the scene by Sergeant John B. Galios, Galagos, Galagos. That's it. Okay. Much much of the content of the uh, criminalistic report apparently was based on information from Galagos rather than personal observations. Sergeant Galagos was reportedly one of the rogue cops who partied at a chop shop on Arno, uh, half a block north of the crime scene, and he has since been fired from APD for burglarizing a liquor store while on duty. What? Yeah. So lots of what is in the report comes from this dude who we already know can't be trusted and would have reason to lie about where the accident or crime because it's a crime it wasn't an accident Mm -mm. where the crime took place because if it did in fact take place on the street about a half a block away from where he parties with his other scumbag friends he would have reason to want to keep that a secret yeah but like dude Uh, so since bullets and casings were never found there's no way to determine if the small caliber bullets that shattered in uh, Kate's head were of the same caliber bullet that struck the door frame of her car. The size of the hole in the door frame seems to suggest otherwise. So after battling through a 20 hour coma, Kate succumbed to her injuries and died the next evening. Oh my God. Yes. So I don't know what I was expecting. Um, obviously it sounds like there's a lot of shit with that police report. Mm -hmm. And a lot to like be speculative of. Mm -hmm. So in 2003, after reviewing copies of the APD report, forensic reports, crime scene photos, etc. A member of the Bernadillo County Cold Case Squad. Sorry, I I don't know why that tripped me up so much. Um, This is not to be confused with the APD Cold Case Squad, who allegedly have no interest in the case, according to Kate's mother. uh, Came up with the following interpretation of the crime scene. So, on the basis of review of available materials in the matter of the death of Caitlin Arquette, the following observations are made. One, this was not a random drive by shooting. Two, the shooting occurred after Caitlin's vehicle had struck the utility pole. Mm -hmm. Three, the accuracy of the shots suggests that they were fired at a very close range at a non moving target, so stopped at a stoplight. Mm -hmm. Four, had the shooting taken place while the victim's car was in motion, it would have veered to the right of the roadway due to the left to right camber of the pavement. So, you know how the pavement on a road is like higher in the middle and it kind of slopes down uh, towards the uh, the ends of the street so that like the water can go to the sewers yeah, and everything? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, because of that, if her car had been moving at the time that she was shot, it would have followed that dip in, in the the convex of the road Uh but it didn't so um also the victims falling to the right because she she fell to the right after she was shot would have Mm -hmm. turned the steering wheel in that direction if she was grabbing at the steering wheel at the time of the shooting so the way that the car ended up wasn't in line with what they think happened yeah Yeah. with what they think happened when she was shot Mm -hmm. um number five Damage to the left end of the rear bumper suggests that the rear of her vehicle was struck and pushed to the right by a second vehicle, which veered her car across the median and into the utility pole. So, Possibly that VW bug that fucking disappeared. Oh my God. Yeah. Uh, Number six, and I think we can all agree on this. This shooting was intentional and Miss Arquette was the specific target. Hell yeah. She wouldn't have been accidentally shot in this scenario. No! no.
0: Um,
1: So now we're going to get into the investigation and, like, what happens after. So we're currently looking at three different possibilities uh, as motives of what could have happened. One would be relationship problems that led the boyfriend to kill her. Organized crime, wanted to keep secrets, which will make sense in a second. And then also policing confidence or cover-up. Basically. So theory number one and this is all detailed on um the who killed kate arquette website that uh her mother runs good ran and um like there's a lot more stuff on there than i'm even including in here so if you're really interested in this case check out that website it's a little old hasn't been updated in a while Does it have Comic Sans? It does not have Comic Sans, but it is one of those that when you open the website, all the information is like on one small section on the side. Yep, but it's not Comic Sans, so it's fine with me. So, theory number one is a drug connection. Um, While investigating the crime, police used the written directions in Kate's car to locate Sharon Smith's house. Remember her? She was there for dinner. Yep. Snow cones. Yep. (laughs) She told the police, uh, Sharon Smith, told the police that Kate arrived at her house at 9.30 p.m. that night. However, Smith later went through considerable effort to locate and contact Kate's family, uh, who had moved out of state by this time, to tell them that Kate arrived at her home at approximately 7 p.m., having come directly from a 5 p.m. dollar movie at a nearby theater. Which was impossible, because Kate hadn't even left her parents' house until 6.15. So there's no way she could have been to the movies hell no which is weird so during her phone conversation with kate's mother smith described kate's final evening she said that kate seemed very upset and kept bursting into tears for no apparent reason and made smith call her apartment over and over again to see if noyan was there that's her boyfriend remember yes she didn't want to speak to him she just wanted to know where he was we've all been there we've all been 18 Yep. yep um so there was no answer at the apartment Smith dialed the apartment for the final time at 10 40 and there was still no answer. And I guess that's when she's saying that Kate had left. So you might be asking yourself, why would Smith lie about the time that Kate got to her house? What's the answer? In him drugs. Fucking
0: Uh, drugs is the the first drug.
1: Yeah. So Kate had recently been promoted to clothing manager at pure one imports in fair Plaza in Albuquerque. The promotion entailed placing orders for and unpacking clothing shipments that came in, and it was said that Noyan and his friends would routinely stop by the store, and Noyan would run in, allegedly, to speak to Kate. He would also sometimes stop to speak to Smith, uh, because, like I said, she had the snow code and stand outside. Um, A co-worker has contacted Kate's family with information that heroin was being channeled through Pier 1 in shipments of merchandise. Those shipments that arrived. Must be why they
0: went out of business. I guess no more heroin.
1: Those shipments arrived by UPS and did not come uh, did not come through the warehouse in Texas. So they were like private extra shipments being funneled through. Mm, not a good sign. I mean, if you've seen Breaking Bad, this all makes I sense. I haven't. But okay. Yes, it makes sense. The heroin shipments apparently were being intercepted by someone at Pier 1 before the boxes left the back room. However, on one occasion, a shipment slipped by and was accidentally sent out to be unpacked by employees who were stocking the shelves. Ooh, Imagine shit. finding that. What is this? Potpourri? Oh, <laughs> anyway, uh, Kate's coworker <laughs> discovered the shipment and reported it to the FBI. This, inf- this information was not made public. However, uh. shortly thereafter, the manager was fired and replaced by someone from the home office. Two weeks later, Kate was murdered well yeah kate's family wonders if the smugglers thought that kate was the person who reported the heroin and that she should be on the lookout for future shipments so oh yeah um man. this is also creepy right after kate's funeral smith applied for kate's job what the fuck smith's boyfriend. Ray Bowes, who uh, allegedly spent some time in prison, uh. also applied for a job there, unpacking boxes. Mm-mm,
0: mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. Yeah,
1: even creepier. Mm-mm, mm-mm. The pair worked for a couple of weeks and then abruptly stopped coming into work. They didn't even pick up their final paychecks. No, Kate's family no. wonders if there was if they were there to receive one final shipment. I mean, girl. Yeah, it is suspect. Girl. But that's not the only theory. Oh, goddamn. Next theory, which if you threw out 30 theories, you wouldn't have guessed this one. Vietnamese gang connections.
0: Yeah, no. Did you have that on your bingo board for this one? Did not. Did not. And so close. So close. Because I did have Thai gang connections. So
1: close, yet so far. So, on the day after the shooting, one of Kate's friends informed the Arquettes that Noyan was a member of a, a Vietnamese organized crime ring that Kate was in a position to expose. One of the many mm. activities this group was involved in was a car wreck insurance fraud scam. Oh! Now, we'll get to details and also, mm. uh, it's not that lucrative for them. But also it's 1989. Maybe it was more money. But anyway, Noyan and his friends from Albuquerque Albuquerque would fly to Orange County, California, rent or steal cars and then stage car wrecks claiming fake injuries. The participants would be paid fifteen hundred dollars each. And then there was also doctors, lawyers and paralegals who were also part of the scam and they would make the most money what yeah. so the doctors would confirm these fake injuries the lawyers would represent these people with the fake injuries and the paralegals were in on it as well
0: but also Holy
1: these were described as like multi-million dollar like scams but each participant in like the car the actual car wrecks only got fifteen hundred dollars each like and that was fifteen hundred dollars Then money, not fifteen hundred dollars.
0: Now money is
1: yeah, but even fifteen hundred dollars to like be in a car accident. Yeah, it's a
0: little risky, but it's also like thirty one hundred dollars today. Is it three thousand one hundred forty four seventeen? Okay, well, I I mean that's a that's about a month's worth of pay like for like a regular like a twenty an hour job. I guess and they only like have to one do it for one day. One accident a month and then boom, you're scot-free. I mean, yeah. I don't think stuntmen get paid that well. But
1: also, like, I don't know how sustainable that is because if the same person is in, like, renting cars and being in multiple accidents, like, isn't that a little sketchy? Okay. Okay. I see what you're saying, but hear me
0: out. If they've thought all of this out so well, don't you think that they would have thought to maybe have them use a different name every time they rent a car.
1: I guess. Well, we're going to get to that in a second because uh, Noyan confessed to staging two such car wrecks, one of which Kate witnessed and possibly had a hand in because the car was rented Mm. on Lois's credit card. So Kate's mother's credit card. Oh, So Kate had to have been involved in some way because she rented the car that they did the accident in. Yeah, yeah so noyan told investigators that he knew of up to 20 other people in albuquerque who were also involved but uh apd did not even take the names of these people and did not inform the insurance companies or law enforcement in california several members of noyan's group have also been identified as interstate drug dealers and participants in a racket to steal and sell computer chips However, no statement was ever taken from any of those suspects. Oh! Yeah. I mean, there is, like, a bunch of this information that is pulled directly from uh, the Who Killed Caitlin Arquette website, and it's run by her mother, so I don't know if there's a little bias in that, but... I Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I don't know if anything's been done since uh, this information was pulled, but as I'll get to, it was on an episode of... Um, unsolved mysteries mm. so uh at least since then nothing's been done um okay so noyan's alibi for the night of the shooting were um his two friends on Quak lay and con Tuan fam 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 let me p-h-a-m let me, yes
0: fam on Quak lay con Tuan fam
1: got it as I you wrote can this tell I earlier and i immediately forgot i'm bad I've at have got names. the i've got the text right in front of me so noyan told police that he and his friends had spent the evening at a restaurant and fam had dropped him off at kate's apartment at 10 p.m that alibi was never verified and it's in conflict with smith's statement saying that noyan was not home to respond to the phone call at 10:40 p.m huh
0: so or a it was in weird the there. shower
1: yeah i guess yeah Uh, Noyan has since identified Lei as a participant in the car wreck scam that they were running he also identified the insurance fraud um, like someone who's involved in the insurance fraud scam in California as Lei's cousin Bao Tran Mm -hmm. uh, housemate of a convicted arsonist Hong Fuk Zui Vaughn got it (laughs) mouthing it to me (laughs) i told you i'm so bad i really do try i really do try therapist
0: was vietnamese that's the only reason i know it
1: yeah i'm just so don't feel bad i've never been a language person i'm trying i'm trying to be better
0: and you would have no reason like not that you not that people shouldn't make an effort to pronounce other people's names but you would have no reason to just know how to pronounce these names does that make sense you don't live in in an area that's heavily populated by vietnamese people
1: yeah that's true don't make excuses for me because i'll take it Um, all right (laughs) but anyway both of those men were employed by um a the law office of min noyen Dewey. nope you almost had it you you have
0: it written down somewhere else because remember hong i don't
1: so min noyen zui that's it you got it baby yeah so they're an um attorney in orange county who specializes in auto accidents and personal injury cases uh his part his partner was scott Gentili. kate's final phone bill shows um calls to tran made from her apartment as soon as she was pronounced dead Oh! So, somebody was in her apartment, made a phone call to these lawyers who are obviously not on the up and up because they were representing people in these insurance scams. So, maybe this was another thing that they were like, we gotta tie up loose ends, we gotta get rid of this person who knows too much. It's finished. Yeah, pretty (laughs) much. Pretty much. Like, that's that's what they're saying. So, like I said, there are other theories uh on the website like more in depth about the police corruption. I didn't feel like I needed to talk too much about that because it seems fucking obvious. It's the police. Yeah. Uh and then there's also um a theory about a new Mexican drug trade that she could have mm. been tied up in or in the middle of.
0: Yeah, and that um, kind of ties in with the Pier 1 drug theory.
1: Yeah. Uh but then there are a couple of other suspects. So number one is kind of a wild card. His name's Robert Garcia. Hmm. And six months after Kate's murder, an informant led the Albuquerque police to a man named Robert Garcia. He was interrogated for two hours before he identified three men as being involved in her murder. Based on his oh. testimony, police ar- arrested uh, Dennis Martinez, Juvenal Escobedo, and Miguel Garcia, uh, who is not related to Robert. They both have the last name Garcia. Yeah, it's common. It's like Smith. Yeah. According to Robert, Miguel was the trigger man. Police discovered that Juvenal had recently sold his car, a brown Chevrolet Camaro. They connected it to an eyewitness who claimed to have seen one chasing a young woman on the night of Kate's murder. So there's another theory that, like, a, a brown Camaro, like, chased her down the road, and then that's when she got shot. Oh. Um, yeah, so this witness said... um apparently this occurred an hour before the actual crime took place oh okay yeah so however this case fell apart when it was discovered that robert had been in jail on the night of kate's murder and ultimately charges against the three suspects were dropped due to lack of evidence so like this Mm -hmm. isn't a super reliable suspect i don't think this one's like the top of the top the next one i think is probably definitely involved in some sort of way (laughs) and that is the boyfriend dung Mm noyan um about an hour after the shooting uh sorry yeah an hour after the shooting noyan phoned his and kate's mutual friend jane hysterically babbling kate's dead they shot kate jane is sure of the time as she and her husband had just finished watching the news and were getting ready for bed at the time however at 3 a.m police arrived at the apartment kate shared with noyan and he apparently was sleeping and knew nothing about the shooting oh yeah he told police that he had stayed away from the apartment all day because he and Kay had had a fight he said that he came home and found that she had left him an affectionate note that said that she was sorry the unsigned note mm. read quote hun, where are you i know you are, i know you still mad i'm so sorry okay question exclamation point <laughs> wait wait it gets weirder i miss you today i went to nom house to retune these books i'll see ya exclamation point love no this is a girl that graduated high school is accepted to the university of new mexico planning to go to medical school she would yes. never have written went to nom house to retune these books yeah 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 So police accepted this note as evidence that Kate still loved Noyan and that she was not going to break up with him. But I just read you the fucking note and uh, there was a random sampling of Kate's handwriting and they're widely different, like to the blind eye, not even like going at it with a fine tooth comb. Wholly different writing. And there's spelling and grammar mistakes that Kate never would have made. They didn't even do their homework. No, not at all. They could have taken any piece of paper in her apartment that she had written on, and you could tell that it's not the same fucking note.
0: I would say that's arguably
1: just as insulting as the fact
0: that they killed her.
1: It's fucking lazy police work, to be completely honest. Yeah. They didn't even bother looking into this. So the private investigator that the Arquettes hired also spoke to Kate's landlord, and he believed that she was afraid of her boyfriend's friends they only spoke Vietnamese around her and often made fun of her and were linked to organized crime. Like I've talked about. And they were pretty much the center of the couple's arguments. Now I'm not Mm. saying that speaking in your native language in front of somebody who doesn't speak that language is a bad thing. Obviously like if you're not talking about anything nefarious about the person who's fucking right in front of you, then it's not a problem. Making fun of them. That's so mean. Yeah. That's bullshit. Um, But, yeah. So, police did a primer residue test to see if Noyan had fired a gun, and it was negative. According to police reports, when investigators left the apartment, Noyan was leaving immediately to go to the hospital to be with Kate. Instead, he and two carloads of his friends drove straight down Lomas to the crime scene. And went past the hospital on the way! Yeah. So Noyan eventually did join Kate's family at the hospital, and his two carloads of friends remained in the hospital parking lot outside the rest of the night. I'm. Fucking go home. What the fuck? What? Seriously. What? what? None of this makes sense. No. Um. The following evening, when Kate was pronounced dead, Noyan called Leigh and Fam, who were partying at Kate's apartment, which fuck you. why? Um, and he called them to tell them that Kate was dead. And phone records indicate that they immediately called Tran uh, and, like, like I said, the insurance guy in California to report Kate's death, which is, I think, like the most suspicious detail. yeah, <laughs> but whatever um after kate's funeral noyan was stabbed in the abdomen allegedly a suicide attempt Mm -hmm. in fam's dorm room on kirkland air force base lay was also there uh according to the osi spokesperson fam refused to talk to the police on the advice of his air force attorney and he was never interviewed Although this incident took place on federal property, the knife and Noyan's bloody clothing somehow ended up in the APD evidence room.
0: What? So that's
1: another check on the police to be like, uh, weird. Oh my weird. God. What? The- I know. Noyan survived his injury. Yay. And when mm. uh, Kate's mother visited him in the hospital, uh, told her that he knew who killed Kate. And was deciding whether he had the courage to tell her. Yeah. <sighs> anyway, dumb. he's my number one suspect. That he like maybe he didn't do it, but he definitely has information and yeah. is sketchy. But the last suspect is the guy I talked about in the beginning, Paul Apodaca. Mm. Um, so Kate's next door neighbor told the APD case investigator that he saw Kate followed from her apartment by a VW bug. Apodaca was the first person on the scene at Kate's murder, and he was driving a VW bug. Mm. By the time both officers arrived at the scene, Apodaca was standing by Kate's car. The bug, uh, was not in evidence, and apparently someone had driven it off, uh, when they heard that the cops were coming. What? Sketchy. Yeah. Like I said, police did not take a statement from Apodaka and allowed him to leave the scene without even getting his address, despite the fact that Apodaka had a long record of violent crime, including several vicious attacks upon women. Fuck! I know. In 1995, the Arquette's private investigator was able to locate, locate Apodaka and interview him in jail, where he was awaiting sentencing for kidnapping and raping his 14-year-old stepsister. Jesus! Yeah. His stated reason for doing that was to get sent to prison so that he could protect a younger brother who was serving 45 years for murder.
0: There are other ways.
1: Yep. Abadaka admitted to being at Kate's scene uh, the on that night and confirmed with the PI that he was driving a VW Bug. When the PI asked him who drove the car away, he became very nervous and insisted that nobody was with him. Mm. But then how did the car fucking leave, you fucking weirdo? Yeah. Dumb bitch Apodaca stated his reason for being in the neighborhood that night was to buy drugs from his dealer, Lee Padilla. Padilla was the brother of an APD undercover narcotics officer who was a Whoa. friend a friend of Officer Wallace oh. who was one of the first officers on the scene, if you remember correctly. Uh-huh. the Great directing traffic. traffic director. Bitch. Yep. Yes. So he tried to get off by presenting an ID that showed him to be Lee uh, Padilla Uh, oh jesus apodaca lived next door to and hung out at a mom and pop Mm. convenience store and laundromat that was frequented by one of noyan's other alibis lay also how big is albuquerque that like it seems like all these people are connected anyway so, like I said, there's more suspects on the website, like there's dirty cops and hitmen and like a bunch of other theories. Um, yeah. There's also records of various attempts at witnesses, uh, witness intimidation over the years, which is insane. Wow. So, sadly, um, Kate's mother, Lois, passed away on June 15th, 2016, and there has been no further progress in the investigation of Kate's murder. Fuck. I know. Why would you do that? Yeah, she was very invested in it, as I will get to. Um, most of the pop culture has is centered around um, Kate's mother, Lois Arquette, or as she's better known in the literary world, Lois Duncan. Do you know nope. Lois Duncan books? Mm-mm. So she wrote over 40 books between 1970 and 2013 and helped define the entire genre of young adult suspense. Oh. Yeah. Some of her best known works include the controversial Killing Mr. Griffin and Ransom, but she's probably best known for her 1973 novel, I Know What You Did Last Summer. Oh, shit! Yeah, which of course became a hit film starring Jennifer Love Hewitt, Sarah Michelle Gellar, and Freddie Prinze Jr. in 1997. Wow. yes so lois duncan and joan lowry nixon were like my young adult introduction to the true crime universe like i had a class in junior high called communications which was pretty much like you would go to the school library and every book that had like a blue dot on it was a book that you could read for this communications class and you would read the entire book go to the library take like a 10 a question quiz on it and that was the entire fucking class
0: that's a dream of a class so
1: basically i read all of lois duncan's books i read all of joan lowry nixon's books and they were all these like young adult true crime suspense novels that like are fantastic and as soon as i started like i found out about this case i was like whoa (laughs) this is insane that's wild yeah so um Lois Arquette, or Lois Duncan, she wrote a novel called Who Killed My Daughter in 1992. Mm, I was going to ask. Yes. It has a 3.8 out of 5 on Goodreads. And basically, she did her own research into her daughter's murder, including visiting, which is a little sketch, visiting psychics to try and contact Kate. Mm. Very sad, but also not a reliable resource. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So this was her first nonfiction book and just basically a desperate attempt to try to motivate informants and prevent the facts of Kate's story from becoming buried. Because like I said, like, it didn't seem like the police were all too interested in finding out what actually happened. They were totally okay with writing it off as like, it's a random drive-by shooting. There's crime here. What are you going to do about it? It's like, no. She was specifically targeted. She was murdered. We need to know what happened. Mm-hmm. Um. So then in 2013, she wrote another book called One for the Wolves, and it has a 4.9 out of 5. uh, So 4.09 out of 5 on Goodreads. And basically, so much information came to light after her book, Who Killed My Daughter, that she published uh, this sequel, and sadly, it would end up being her last book that she ever wrote before she died. Oh, God. Yeah. So basically, it's like. plays on what she learned from all of the people coming forward after the first book and basically just spirals like all of this information came about that it like uncovered all of these different avenues that she could look into that it was like insane that's where we get like the the vietnamese drug connections and the pure one uh heroin scams and all that stuff like Mm -hmm. crazy stuff yeah so, Duncan also founded a research center to help investigate cold cases, which later became the nonprofit Resource Center for Victims of Violent Deaths. After Kate's death, Duncan began writing children's picture books, saying that she could no longer write about young women in life-threatening situations. Which is fucking horrible.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> That, that changed like the I the wouldn't whole I
1: that on anybody. Yeah. Um, like I said, Kate's murder was also featured uh, as the first story of season six, episode nine of unsolved mysteries. And, um, I mean, it is cold case at this point, like not a lot of new information has come out. So if you do know anything, I think there is uh resources to contact on the who killed Caitlin Arquette website. I think it is, I have it written down here. It's Kate K-A-I-T-A-R-Q-U-E-T-T-E dot A-R-Q-U-E-T-T-E-S dot com. Okay. So like David Arquette. Yes. Yeah. So if anybody was in Albuquerque at this time, it's just so sad that it seems like, it seems like there's so many different things to look into with this case. And there's so many possibilities. It should have been solved by now.
0: Yeah, like, the ball wasn't just, like, dropped, it was fucking thrown in a field, like, a severed penis. Like,
1: it's just so wild. And the fact that, like, this woman has been writing young adult suspense for years and years and years, and then all of a sudden this terrible thing that you could never even imagine, even, like, writing about all these things, you could never even imagine it would happen to you. And then that just changes everything. Like, <laughs> how could you think about somebody in that situation when, like, your family went through it? Yeah. Like, it's it's wild. But uh, if you haven't read any of her books, obviously everyone knows. I know what you did last summer. But Killing Mr. That's Griffin wild. and Ransom, uh, she has a lot of really, really good books. So check those out as well as Who Killed My Daughter because it is terrible i mean terrible as in like the content is terrible. like the yeah the the situation the subject matter is terrible written beautifully but yeah yeah so that's that one for this tuesday because like you know we're coming back twice a week hell yeah oh yeah um i'll put more information on this case on the website crimeculturepodcast.tumblr.com um definitely links to um all the resources that we used i used um uh, there's an unsolved mysteries wiki which is actually really fun to check out so uh check that out for anything and then obviously the who killed caitlin arquette website um go watch unsolved mysteries and hit us up on social media facebook twitter instagram Mm join our patreon yes please not please but like i love to
0: see like just even tell us if you're just listening that's really what it comes down to i get so excited
1: yeah anytime we get a message is <laughs> like hey i really like this last episode I'm like, oh, people listened <laughs> that's that's really what it comes down to it's very sad it's very pathetic <laughs> well like on our like where i mean this is like inside baseball but like where we upload the episodes and everything has like statistics so we know people are listening but like they're just yeah. numbers i love when i get like a little instagram message it's like hey i was watching the last episode or like if you yeah. are listening and you're uh recording yourself on uh an instagram story absolutely love that mm-hmm. uh yeah hashtag spooktober 2020 love it and that's that uh we
0: love to see it
1: i have to go eat dinner
0: okay i have to go you'll all be so proud of me <gasps> i've decided that i'm going to watch the haunting of hill house and <gasps> i have made it five episodes in without for lack of a for no pun intended killing my cat because i just use her i figured out that marcia loves horror movies or like anything scary like it eerily calms her because you can squeeze her no, because I, once I figured out that she didn't mind them, that's when I started squeezing. But no, she would come and sit on the couch with me and be like, oh, look. Murder. Bent neck lady. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm a little bit traumatized. I see ghosts whenever I close my eyes. But you know what? It's fine.
1: Yep. Yep. Yeah. Anyway, I'm sure we'll talk about that. at Oh, later. Uh, date. yeah. Um, but yeah, so we're going to see you on Thursday. Yes. So okay, far,
0: bye. doing okay. My